Crush your menopause sugar cravings just in time for summer with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. They're delicious keto and intermittent fasting-friendly bars created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the challenging stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code HOTCOOL10. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And today we have on Dr. Swapna Vaidya. Dr. Vaidya is a psychiatrist who talks a lot about and researches a lot about women, stress, antidepressants, and menopause. And we just thought what a perfect topic to have on this show because we get a lot of questions from listeners about, I went to the gynecologist, they immediately put me on Effexor, they immediately put me on Lexapro, and I don't know if I should be on this antidepressant. Should I be on this SSRI or SSNI or SNRI or WPQ, whatever the heck it was? Whether it's an appropriate time to be on it. And we asked Dr. Vaidya about it and she's very clear about starting with, you know, a holistic approach of, of, you know, wellness and exercise, but that there are times when antidepressants are appropriate, not only for menopausal symptoms, but for life stressors in being a sandwich generation in your children leaving in having, you know, a relationship maybe changing. So she really covered a lot of ground. She really did. She knew so much about it. And it was just really amazing. I, I love the fact that it's the first time I've ever heard someone say, you know, if, if this antidepressant that you were on or this other medication you were on to help your mental health, if you were on it and it's working, it will still probably be working once you are in menopause. So th- that is the first time I've ever heard that. If it's working for you, it will most likely continue to work for you. But she is so great about thinking about the individual as well and thinking about the whole person, thinking, is this going to work for you? She doesn't want to just do what, you know, the, oh, they say this works here. You know, she's really concerned about the individual. And I really appreciated that from her. Right. She also talks about how certain conditions for women can mimic mild depression, anxiety. And you really, because I was curious about, can you just go to your doctor, your primary care and be, you know, given a prescription for an antidepressant or when is it more appropriate to go see a a psychiatrist? And she talks a lot about the difference and when it's appropriate to do one or the other. So this is a really informative conversation. We asked many, many questions and she was graciously answering them all. So you're going to learn a lot on this episode, but we also want to recommend a previous episode because we always say that we have a lot of information over the past two and a half years. And we just want to make sure that you are getting as much information as you can. And due to, you know, the way the world is right now, we, Bridget and I both were thinking about Jeff Kasky, who is a friend of my family's, but also the father of two survivors from the Parkland shooting, Cameron and Holden Kasky. And Jeff came on the show, season one, episode 25, to talk about from a father's perspective, what that day was like 
what it was like to know your two sons were in Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Thank God they got out. But Cameron took on the role, the face of Never Again and March for Our Lives. So that kind of rolled into another stressful event of how do I protect my son when he's getting death threats and when he's going to meet with the president and he's doing these marches. It's a fascinating conversation. And, and didn't you think, Bridget, this was just an appropriate one to bring up? It right was. Now? I mean, you know, Colleen and I are both parents. I'm a former elementary school teacher. And this really, every time I, it's horrible that it keeps happening. And every time I think about it, I just want our listeners to know as a teacher, I would go in that classroom that I was going to be in for that year and see where the windows were to see if I could get children out of the windows. That was the first thing I would do. And, and it's so awful. And I remember for three years, I was on a second story uh, place. And I remember thinking, I can't get children out of this window. That was my first thought. And I would look around the classroom and I'd think about what's the heaviest object I have to throw to break that window if I can't get it open. And, wow. and that is something as a teacher you think about. And, and I can't imagine as a parent thinking my child is in that room. We would recommend you guys taking a listen to that episode this week. If you want to see the video of this episode, you can check it out on vitalc.com. That's our partner in videos. The audio podcast is up on any podcast platform, but the video will be on vitalcy.com. So check out that website. And we are going to start talking about antidepressants, midlife, and menopause. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today we have on Dr. Swapna Baidya. And we are going to be talking about stress and menopause. We're going to be talking about antidepressants and menopause. And this is such an important topic for so many women because, I, you know, a lot of our listeners will walk in to their gynecologist with menopausal questions and they get prescribed an antidepressant and they're really not sure why they were. So welcome to the show. We're very excited for this conversation. So thank you so much, ladies, for having me on your talk. And uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to share insights regarding menopause and the transitions that women have to face in their lives. Unfortunately, I would say that women have to go through these hormonal fluctuations throughout our lives. I do want to, you know, sort of start by saying that it's very important to first have your own gynecologist or your primary care doctor who you should be in connection with and talk about the symptoms because each woman will experience different symptoms depending upon what their history is like. You mentioned something about antidepressants and I thought that was a very important uh, topic. I'm a psychiatrist, obviously, you know, by profession, but at the same time, what I have reviewed and seen in studies is that a lot of women are being prescribed antidepressants pretty prematurely when they go and see their gynecologist or PCP. And there's a reason for that. The symptoms of menopause, they mimic a mild depression because of the low mood, the anxiety, lack of sleep, motivation. It's very easy to sort of say, okay, you know, this might be depression and let me go ahead and treat you with an antidepressant. But that's often not the case. A very low percentage of women actually develop full-blown major depression during those two to four years of transition. The women who are at risk are women who've had a prior history of depression, who had a family history of depression, or who may have had severe symptoms of menopause or comorbid anxiety with that. So I uh, actually would recommend that before 
anybody prescribes an antidepressants, it's very important to tabulate the symptoms, understand the chronology of the symptoms, and really discuss with your doctors whether an antidepressant is the solution or it could be simple measures such as dietary and lifestyle modification, increasing your exercise. I know nobody likes to hear that, but it's true. Weight-bearing exercise, uh, changing, incorporating more calcium in your diet, because we do have a lack of estrogen, which is driving these changes in our moods, in our bodies, what we call the brain fog. So if we could find some natural ways to first help ourselves, I think that would be the ideal way to go. Having said that, there are several antidepressants which have been studied and which if are the right ones for you, will help you deal with some of these symptoms if they become too unbearable with just these natural modifications. So some of the medications um, that I talk about are the SSRIs, which are the serotonergic reuptake inhibitors, or the SNRI, which are the serotonergic norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. And the latter class, which is the SNRIs, they are the ones which actually are more uh, you know, effective with hot flashes, particularly Effexor. So that's uh, what I would say. But I would also, again, um, sound like a broken record, but very important to talk to your doctor and find out if these medications are indeed right for you or not. Yes, that when you said effects are for hot flashes, that is exactly what happened to me. I went to my gynecologist. I had probably been really experiencing hot flashes very severely, probably for a year or two years. And she put me on that. And she said, okay, we'll try this, you know, and, and see if Effexor will help you because it's been known to help. For me personally, and every individual is different, it didn't really help. <laughs> yeah, but it, it always was, you know, I was really surprised. This was probably five or six years ago. And I was, I'd never heard of that happening or I'd never, I thought, why am I not getting hormone replacement? And right. yeah, things like that. And you know... I wanted to like jump in and say exactly why did you not get hormone replacement? That's a great question. Again, every woman is not going to get a hormone replacement therapy. It depends upon risk factors. Some women have risk factors of breast cancer in their family, like my family, for instance, you know, uh, because of the risk of breast cancer or uterine cancer, some women will not be considered appropriate for hormone replacement because the estrogen can actually precipitate or increase your risk of developing cancer. So that's why it's a very individual tailored treatment that the doctor has to kind of, you know, sit with you. But thank you for sharing the story of Effexor. This is exactly what I say, that every medication will not act exactly the same with every patient. It really depends upon the individual response. And therefore, every woman's story is important. For me as a doctor, I will never look at, you know, data and science and then say, okay, this is applicable universally. It's so important to listen to the patient. It has to be patient-centered. When you two are talking, what I'm thinking is that when a patient, because you do you specialize in women's health, when a patient who is in their 40s or 50s comes in to see you, are there certain aspects where you say this is definitely more menopause than the start of a depressive episode or things like that? Are there certain things that kind of highlight that are red flags? Yes. And great question again. So absolutely. I always look at the history, history, history. So certain things that are red flags are if somebody has had a prior history of depression, 
particularly PMDD. So PMDD is, you know, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So patients who've had um, increased risk of PMDD or postpartum depression or a postpartum anxiety, um, or there's a family history which is overwhelming, wherein their mothers, you know, their aunts, or many of their family members have experienced severe symptoms of menopause, or when their functioning has deteriorated to the point that they are not able to take care of themselves, their lives have become a chaos. The brain fog, as we call it, has become so intense that their work life is impaired, their personal life is impaired. And that's when I would say, you know, I think maybe we can have this conversation about an antidepressant. And I also let them know, because a lot of the time women will tell me, oh my God, now that's something I have to take the rest of my life. And that's not necessarily true. If this was the first time somebody is experiencing a symptom of depression, I would say we are going to try, we're going to first get you better, but it doesn't mean that this is going to continue for the rest of your life. And that's pretty much a myth when people come to a psychiatrist and they think, oh no, that's it. Now I'm going to be on meds the rest of my life. That's not how it really happens. You know, there's an algorithm even with that. And if you're feeling better, let's say after two to four years, when the transition is complete, there might be a time to wean you off those medications and you may have improved your lifestyle. You may be in therapy. Your life is going back on your tracks. So that's when we would consider discussing about, okay, let's take you off those medications. Continue with the other lifestyle modifications that you're doing. Is there a... Is it because of side effects? Is that why people are so resistant to go on an antidepressant? So very good question. And, you know, one of the most important side effects, and I think that kind of affects women, especially in menopause, is sexual side effects. We won't talk about it, but because women's sexuality is not talked about. You know, it's such a topic of taboo, even now. And so there are hormonal changes that are occurring, but there are also body changes and a psychological change where we are feeling that we're not attractive enough. You know, we've caused got weight gain going on. We've got the brain fog going on. And then on top of that, you add an SSRI or an SNRI and that has sexual side effects. So that's why I would encourage patients to talk to the doctors to look at the whole health. Now, there are ways to counter those side effects as well. There are medications, there are other, you know, like women's Cialis and other kinds of things also that can be done. There are other medications also from the psychiatry, uh, you know, sort of groups, which is Wellbutrin, which we use often to counteract the sexual side effects. But that's one of the more uh, prominent reasons I would say there is a huge hesitance for women to want to be on these medications. Some of them cause weight gain. So that's also not, you know, kind of desirable. And uh, because of these side effects, I think that there is a certain amount of uh, understandable, I would say, understandable reluctance to be on these medications. Well, it's interesting because as someone who has suffered from anxiety my whole life, I didn't even put two and two together that about for age 45, certain life experiences where, you know, my father was in hospice, my daughter was ill. I just assumed life experiences were causing an increase in anxiety. I didn't even put two and two together to realize, well, you're starting perimenopause. This is, you know, so for people who do have depression or anxiety in their background, are there certain meds they should avoid? Are there certain ones that work better with that? Yeah. And again, that's a a wonderful question. And I would say that uh, people who have depression and anxiety, I would say that number one, 
when you're experiencing an exacerbation of these symptoms, always try and make an appointment with your psychiatrist. And then look through, you know, the symptoms themselves and see what part of the symptoms are kind of now exacerbated because there might be different medication that address different things. You know, for instance, there are certain antidepressants that are pretty activating. Sort of Prozac is very activating. Velbutin is quite activating. So if anxiety is the prominent symptom, then you may want to avoid those. There are certain that are more sort of like, I would say, on the sedating side, certain are weight neutral. For instance, Lexapro is considerably weight neutral. Paxil is on the sedating side, but it can cause weight gain. You know, Effexa is uh, kind of the gold standard, I would say, for menopause, as, you know, Colleen, you said, because of the hot flashes. Actually, it does have a reversal on the hot flashes because it stabilizes your blood pressure, your vasomotor symptoms, because estrogen, the hormone, is deficient and estrogen is what's causing that as helping us with the balance. So Effexa is a good medication also. But again, one of the things that I always tell patients uh, is that what worked for you in the past is going to work for you most likely. You know, so if you had depression or anxiety in the past and you were on a certain medication, likelihood is that you should start with that medication. Now, this is irrespective again of sort of thinking about what side effects may or may not happen. The reason being, we want to get your depression and anxiety, you know, from the a point of non-functionality to functionality. But once we are there, then we can discuss, okay, do we need to kind of consider about mitigating side effects with this medication or do we need to switch something? So having a psychopharmacologist or a psychiatrist or nurse practitioner, you know, or um, uh, somebody who knows you, somebody who you have seen, for a long period of time and has been taking care of you would actually be the right choice, you know, to discuss what meds might be right for you. Stress in menopause is often, you know, hidden by women because we always attribute it to other things. I think it's maybe because my kid is not doing well in school, my family, you know, and I think it's very important to understand that these symptoms are biological. So just wanted to say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that it, exactly. And I think a lot of women, like Colleen said, don't realize that it has something to do with this. And I can remember when I was going into Mary, I mean, Mary, Mary perimenopause, perimenopause, that I didn't even know what perimenopause was. I'd heard of menopause, but I didn't know what the so peri thing was. And I had no idea what was going on. And you know, I, it didn't even occur to me to seek help. I think that was coming off to you. You always go back to the report from the early 2000s that said that hormones were dangerous and, you know, everybody was just stopping and trying to stay away as long as they can. And now you're finding out that wasn't really the case. So, so I was wondering too, like, so with switching up, like, you know, when you go, is it is it a t are there times that are too quick to switch up medications? Should you wait something out before you switch up? Great question. Absolutely wonderful question. And yes, I think it's very important to recognize that there are multifactorial things happening right now. It's not just your body going through things. It's also your stress around your life. One other thing that I wanted to actually, you know, go back to, you know, what uh, you said about when you were going through the symptoms and you were in the situation where you were caring for your parent and you were also experiencing your own symptoms. 
women particularly are at risk during this period of time because they are what i call the sandwich generation you know so you're taking care of your parents traditionally women do and then you're also taking care of your children so there's so much dependency on you so it's so important i think to have sort of like what i call a mood diary to write down you know what symptoms are you experiencing what is it happening in your life is it due to stress that's really happening which is fine you know it's situational or are these symptoms something which are overwhelming panic attacks for instance panic attacks and hot flashes they can mimic each other but panic attacks are very discreet and they occur out of the blue and they can come with shortness of breath feeling dizzy you know feeling absolute loss of control heart is beating completely out you know at a very fast pace hot flashes happens like an aura i think i'm having one right now as i speak to you all here so it's so true though so it comes like an aura and then you your entire body feels as if it's on fire i have had my um, <laughs> patients and women colleagues tell me i mean i want to open a refrigerator and stick my head there mm-hmm. and so that's what a hot flash is so it's so important to understand your body understand what the symptoms are enumerate them and go with this kind of armed knowledge to your doctor the more you tell your doctor the more the doctor can give a tailored response to you so i think it's important to also take a pause as you said don't have to make too many changes don't have to immediately rush to say okay i need hormone replacement a b c d e f i think it's important to live in that experience understand what you're feeling individually and then talk to the doctors and talk about different hormone replacements you know there are many different kinds of hormone replacements some are only estrogen some are estrogen plus progestin and different kinds can help different symptoms so some might not be right for you some might be the right choice for you and this might be a short term or a long term response for you so that's why i would say that yes taking a pause in the menopause i think is the best advice i could tell you know everybody including myself take a deep breath take a pause and this too shall pass <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard when you're going through it oh, um, <laughs> what i had a question about um you know if you do go on hrts yes are there any ssris or snris that are contraindicated when you're on hrts you know that's a very interesting question um so not necessarily contraindicated as such but uh one thing that i would say that uh, and that kind of comes with women with you know history of breast cancer or may have gone through some um uh issues there there are certain medications sometimes in chemotherapy such as tamoxifen right that they can actually be uh, the efficacy of that is reduced by certain ssris so in those case effexor is utilized and again um this is something that um uh some women uh, they are not able to go on hormone replacement therapy so for that and if they are having cancer in addition then they have to be careful but other than that there's not certain contraindications as such because you're taking the hormones one thing is there that sort of estrogen for instance can increase risk of hypertension blood clots you know those kinds of things can happen and um, some antidepressants such as effexor at a higher dose can cause hypertension so you know you may want to talk to your doctors you know depending upon what other medical comorbidities you may have to decide which antidepressant is right for you 
Now, certain others cause weight gain uh, pretty prominently. I think Paxil is pretty notorious for that. But then again, if you've been on Paxil for a long period of time, you don't want to necessarily change that or switch it because you may then are at risk of decompensating your mental health. So that's why it's always such a tricky balance to kind of look at what else can you do. Then maybe you can do lifestyle modification in that case. Maybe you can, you know, increase your exercise quotient, you know, have some dietary modifications. But it's also... Um, important to listen to your body. So just because there are theoretical risks and theoretical kind of considerations with side effects, I don't think that that matters when you consider the whole health, right? And so if a doctor who can kind of monitor and tailor everything and you repeatedly and regularly meet with your doctor, um, you can tailor a treatment which can be uh, balanced for you, even if those antidepressants may have side effects because they may be beneficial for you. So it's always risk benefit and, you know, over um, kind of thinking about whole health, I would say. So if a medication is detrimental for you, certainly if it's causing uh, hypertension or it's causing your mood swings to get worse or excessive weight gain. I mean, a lot of the patients who sometimes come to me and say, you know, I can't take this medication anymore. I'm not, uh, you know, feeling like myself. I have put on so much weight. I'm going to take that into consideration. I'm going to try my very best to sort of cross taper, look at other choices, other alternatives while doing my best to help this patient have whole health. I can't just let her say that, just take this medication. This is what's going to work for you. You don't, you know, seem to have any depressive symptoms on that. Of course, she's going to get depressed if she's going to have more weight gain. Of course, she's going to get depressed if her body image is going to take a dip. So I have to look at it, you know, from a whole angle and then kind of like um, maybe reduce the dose, maybe add something else which can mitigate the weight gain. There are other techniques also that we do in psychiatry. We have other medications that sometimes we can do with conjunction with the primary care doctors. So um, as I said, it's always a delicate balance. Mm -hmm. So one, I, I, I wouldn't say that there's a universal treatment. You know, I would say that everybody has a tailored treatment. I can just say like from my own personal experience, I'm on Paxil. Yeah. And yes, there was weight gain, but it helped my mental anxiety so much that I was like, I just, it's the, the 10 pounds are worth it. They're just exactly. worth it. And that's exactly what I was trying to say that if you were on a medication that has helped and you want to consider the whole health, and this is where you weigh the risks and benefits, right? I mean, certain medications, uh, for instance, let's say Lexapro, they're weight neutral. But if I were to give you that, you would not have the response. You would probably say my anxiety is back and that my functioning is now really derailed. So in this case, it's much better if we continue the medication that worked for you. And then, as you said, yes, to accept a little bit of the fact that in menopause, weight gain does occur. But then you can also do lifestyle modification, you know, kind of like look at uh, what are the like healthy uh, food kind of groups, you know, what more can you do? I wouldn't say that you have to kind of deprive yourself of life you know I don't like that I don't like when people oh my god now I'm going to have a very regimented diet and exercise no everything in moderation you know we don't have to deprive ourselves of the joy that are there in life there is a lot of joy in cookies and ice cream believe me and you know <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's good to do it in a moderated way right so I think anything that is in excess I would say would lead us to the side effects would lead us to kind of like the consequences, which we don't want, but um, a medication that has worked for you. And I think I said that earlier in the talk that historically, if something had worked for you, 
even with menopause, even knowing that there might be, we might be more prone for other side effects, such as, you know, uh, weight gain or other things, uh, hot flashes. Uh, even then, I wouldn't say, oh, let's switch your medication to Effexor because Effexor equals, has better. Theoretically, yes, data shows that, yes. Literature shows that, but the patient is what's the most important person here. I use the data not to tell my patients that they should do this. I use the data as an informed decision so that a shared decision can be made with the patient and the doctor, right? And so then I, I absolutely agree with you that a medication that worked, you should continue with that. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, 10 pounds is worth your mental health. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. it was, I mean, but like, yeah. you know, when, we, when I was trying different ones, I went up 20 pounds, I went down. I mean, it is definitely, and it's kind of the perfect storm because yes. your body's changing with menopause. You're, you know, so you don't know, is it the med? Is it, and it, things that normally worked for you, diet and exercise, or now you have to change. It's just, you know, it's a time for women that we need to really communicate and share our experiences. Love what you just said. Love what you just said. Because even in the medical field, it's not such a hot topic. Play <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. words there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what is menopause and psychiatry? Okay, what do you even do, right? That's what I get asked. I mean, because I think traditionally... I think women are, uh, you know, we've always, I mean, I'm not going to get political as we decided right away. However, you know, it's just such a struggle. It's always that one extra struggle. And then it's almost like our bodies are kind of, you know, right there with us, having to struggle with us because of these enormous changes that we have to experience, right from, you know, the menarche when we first have our periods, going through the reproductive periods, then going through this, like, you know, phase which is post-reproductive. So I would say we don't communicate. Lack of communication, considering that, oh, this is not such a hot topic to discuss, or, oh, why would you even talk about it? And I think that it's a very, um, I didn't think it's a disservice. So I'm very open about it. And I'm, you know, very passionate about it because... As a psychiatrist, I'm a human being also. And so I would like to sort of share and say, yes, this is a tough journey. This is something that is not necessarily, I can do it by myself. And I have my own doctors, my own team to tell me what I should be doing, what I should be, you know, eating, what kind of things I can do to mitigate, you know, sort of the stuff that my body is going through. Um, So if we don't have this conversation and that's why I want to really applaud you ladies for having this podcast because it's apt hot flashes and cool topics because I feel it's a cool topic and I think it should be like a cocktail cool topic discussion topic (laughs) absolutely have you found you know in your years of practice that it's getting better I, I know for me I felt like maybe I just wasn't seeking this information until I went through it um, but now I feel like I'm finding more and more information and I'm thinking, is it because I'm looking for it or is it because it's more available now? What have you found? I think it's more available now. I think, you know, as you guys, ladies know, I'm a um, board member, advisory board member for Geneve and that's an online platform. And I'm really, um, I decided to become an advisory board member because Jill Angelo and Rebecca Dussemore, I mean, they're absolutely amazing women. And I think Rebecca got me on board 
and this is what i'm talking about this is the conversation piece this is kind of the topics that and the help that they have made available for millions of women across america now and uh, improving resources you know giving them an ability to reclaim their life by actually giving them a space where they can name what they are going through and have that connection have the communication and give them also the resources wherein which kind of colleges they might see what kind of treatments they may do and rebecca talks great you know about the uh, hormone therapy and the individual response to that and so i feel like uh, yes i think the online portals i think this kind of space and i think uh, geneva is one amongst them there are several other companies also that have come uh i just kind of um, like the uh group that i work with you know so i'm going to put a plug with that but at the <laughs> same time, I think, but at the same time i i do think that there is more resources available i think there is no more taboo and somehow i feel like this the new generation you know is kind of more open and the new generation as now the millennials will kind of experience this i think there'll be more open talk about it and there might be you know with the podcast we have we have apps now to kind of tailor our mood to understand what our bodies are going through you know we have apps for mindfulness meditation mental health has exploded in the pandemic and so there is so much resources and so many things available now that i think that slowly women are feeling far more comfortable talking to each other about this and it's no longer such a close circle topic we agree and we love jill so just <laughs> yeah 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 we've had her on this show and it's great to have these options because like you said a lot of women are feel isolated in the pandemic so they can go to a telehealth a place and just you know say i'm not alone here look at all these women they look like me they're having hot flashes they're having anxiety they're having weight gain they're having a million things whether it's migraines or stomach issues and all those fun things yeah what would you suggest for women who are going through this and and a little nervous about talking to their spouse or their family about it what type of conversations can we open up in the family for this you know that is um yeah that is so important in psychiatry i talk about something called you know expressed emotions so expressed emotions are what other people talk when you're going through something and there is a definite link between the tone of the expressed emotions and then the experience and the improvement in your mood so i think it's also important to educate your family members to first you know give them some material right some people who may not be absolutely aware about this or may not be psychologically minded or understand what happens even to a woman's body physiologically mentally and to kind of give them the gift of knowledge because knowledge might help and also to kind of like be very forthright about your demands and about your uh, space and limits limit settings boundaries so if somebody in your family no matter how close they are you know is not understanding or is devaluing you or is making you feel um guilty for experiencing this i think it's important to address that you know because that can be very um invalidating for what you're going through uh, or to say oh you're always tired or oh, you must be so lazy today and that's not what it is so i think it takes time for family members to understand 
but again like showing them these uh, these these websites you know like uh, uh, geneva or other websites and giving them that uh, option to look through and say hey look into all of this this is real this is something i'm going through and this is what i'm asking for help and this is what my doctor is saying so why don't you come with me for a doctor's visit if you have any questions about the way i'm feeling let's talk together about it sometimes it can happen with kids it can happen with spouse it can happen with anybody or your friends for that matter you know let's say like a woman is feeling anxious or depressed she doesn't want to go out or she's feeling okay she's not herself and then there might be some oh why is she not wanting to go out what's her problem you know she thinks she's too good for us so those are the expressed emotions what i'm talking about the perceptions that occur in society or the one thing that i really like to talk about is this hysteria oh don't be so hysterical um it's a very interesting topic for me to say you know hysteria it comes from the womb actually so it's um another way of you know maligning women i would say you know another way of labeling us but that hysteria actually has a name it has symptoms it has a real biological reason and it's not something which is made up or it's not something which just pops up right so i think even media topics that you guys do the way women are projected i think that's a huge impact social media movies you know and how that is and there is a certain amount of crude humor and certain amount of you know sort of like what i call perhaps like a creative maybe license that you can make fun of things but at the same time it's so important to have educational programs also that can also be fun like this podcast right it can be fun it can be conversational but we're also telling people as to what this really is this is a real struggle for a real woman going through this as we all know right mm-hmm. and so i think you're absolutely right i mean sometimes stories sometimes you know these kinds of podcasts sometimes uh, giving them uh, literature about what a woman goes through what are the challenges that they face and then normalizing it and then telling them that what kind of support you may need during that time sometimes telling people around you that this is what i need also helps them to know what to do you know sometimes i'll tell my husband don't even <laughs> just the hand talk, talk to the hand space right and that's important and i think that then you calm down or whatever hot flash is going on you just calm down and when you are like able to have your bearings then you can say and you can thank your spouse or your partner or your friends to say thank you for understanding what i'm going through and then be there for them when they are going through something like that you know yes. so i if the movies share with each other the movies support each other we don't create a stigma around it we don't create a little bit of like you know sort of oh my god that uh, what is that happening the more mm-hmm. open we are the more easier it is to navigate through this right and and also applying that to the working world i know that so many women struggle uh during their working time when they're going through menopause um can you share any tips on what to do with the employment situation Yes and that's again uh, another space where and I will not go to political but it's uh, <laughs> never ask a man this question would we I would know right <laughs> no is yeah and I feel like the more that there is awareness you know for instance I work at a company called Crossover Health which I'm really proud about because this company believes in not just the health for other people but health of their employees so it's really important you know to kind of have that ability 
to be open with your um, bosses, to open with your team about what's going on with you. And um, just the same way I, I explained about relationships at home, I would say the same way work relationships. Setting limits, putting your needs forth, making sure that they are aware about what's happening, you know, in terms of like what your body is going through or what is kind of like, you know, going around you, knowing that this is uh, something that you are actively working on and seeking help, right? But at the same time, expecting and having that support at work. Now, it's not always the case because this is, again, another stigma because you don't want to be perceived at work as non-productive or not able to be there or not meeting the deadlines. But at the same time, you don't want to also be um, differentiated. You don't want to be stigmatized because you're going through a biological phenomenon. So I think creating that balance and a sense of trust with the company that you work for, you know, it's harder and harder, but uh, I, uh, especially for healthcare workers, for instance, like psychiatrists or uh, emergency care workers, right? ER physicians, or even gynecologists. You know, one thing I would like to say is that um, because of the pandemic, there was so much uh, distress amongst healthcare workers, at least. And uh, one of the things that has come out of it is there is now an act, you know, which is a mental health act for men, for for healthcare workers that they can be explicit and they can share this without having repercussions that their job won't go. So this. So the pandemic has taken and then add to that the layer of being a woman. That's even more. So I think the conversation should still continue to happen. We're not quite there. You know, I mean, I don't think that I would have said, you know, maybe when I was a resident or that my maybe my attendings were going through this and I didn't know because um, they hid it very well. Mm -hmm. They were struggling. And I, I feel like how... Uh, how things have changed. Things have changed. Things are going in a better direction, but we're not quite there yet, at least in our medical field. I mean, in other fields, maybe a little bit more, more but then I have friends in other fields who also do tell me that they don't want to be perceived as weak. They don't want to be perceived as um, not having the same ability to succeed as a man because, you know, that's always a constant struggle. So I would love to see this being much more of an open topic at work and not be, you know, shouted behind the hysterical woman comes again, <laughs> you know? So, uh, Brene Brown, I mean, she's, uh, I know you guys, obviously everybody knows Brene Brown. Oh my <laughs> God. She's like, uh, yeah. When she talks about vulnerability and sharing, I think that's the most powerful thing one can do. I think even having this podcast, us sharing about our struggles with menopause, um, you know, even though there is a podcast going on, you're talking, you're giving information, but you're sharing about your struggles. I'm telling you about my struggles about, you know, uh, a menopause and how uh, difficult it is even for me because I'm a human being going through this. And um, what my point is that that is what we need to do. We need to make it more human. We need to put it on everybody's faces. Uh, just because we are doctors, we are not infallible from suffering from all of this. We are human bodies, right? So that happens, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's like any other disease, whether it's going through life changes, all of us are going to go through that. And that's the sharing part. And that's what we need to kind of bring to the conversation piece about mental health day, because it is a, a reality that I'm having these symptoms. I need a break or that, you know, I have a brain fog today. 
if you are someone who really hasn't struggled with mental health issues before, but you're going through menopause and the anxiety or the depression is starting to bother you, if you go to your gynecologist and they might um, prescribe like effects or something, should you go to a psychiatrist for that medication or is it okay to go through your gynecologist? Great, great question. And I uh, think that... um, So one of the things I wanted to say here is where literature will help is actually if you're just going through mild depressions, antidepressant might not be necessary for you. So that's where consultation might help for the gynecologist to kind of even consult. You necessarily don't have to see a psychiatrist. Um, What I am is I'm a collaborative care psychiatrist. So I would basically consult with the PCP or with the gynecologist and let them know, you know, that this is what I would think. Let's monitor the symptoms. Let's give the scales, like there are scales, just PHQ-9. So this is a questionnaire. It's nine questionnaires, basically. And every gynecologist or PCP office, you know, um, primary care office, they have this questionnaire for anxiety. That's GAD, generalized anxiety. And PHQ-9 is for depression. And there are certain scores. So if there is a score above a certain amount, then we would say, okay, this is concerning. For instance, on that question number nine, there is one question that is asked, do you ever have thoughts of wanting to hurt yourself? And that's a huge flag, right? So those are the times when, yes, I would say that absolutely send to a psychiatrist, review it, because that might be that it's not just milder depression going on. It could be something severe and we would need some, you know, more specialized care for that. But on the um, the milder depressions can be treated by the PCPs, can be treated by the gynecologist. And yes, they could either start the patient on effects or if this is what the patient wants again. And again, I would say that... Um, Maybe they may not need just the medications at that point in time. Maybe they need other modifications, like maybe it's a hormone replacement things. Maybe it's supplements. There are different supplements. And again, some supplements, they um, can have some detrimental effects on organs. So it's very important to talk to your doctors about what is right for you, what's not right for you. Um, But generally, I would say that calcium, vitamin D3, you know, weight-bearing exercises, lifestyle modifications, dietary changes, those would be the first lines with the hormone replacement if you've never had a history of depression. But if symptoms are very severe with impairment, as I told you, with functionality or harm to self or anything else, then I would say yes, at that point in time, it might be helpful. Plus, it also depends upon the patient. If the patient states that they would want to kind of address this via antidepressants, that's fine too. Because, uh, you know, as um, Colleen said, Effexa actually is not just given for depression symptoms. It's given for the hot flashes. So that's one medication. And there's one with Paxil. It's actually a newer medication um, with Paxil that was just, it came out of the market and it's, um, I have to look it up, but it, you could look it up later, but, um, apparently it is kind of Paxil and it is a non-hormonal. They say this is a non-hormonal treatment for hot flashes. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's something that is wow. coming with, yep, something to look into. Mm-hmm. Well, see, okay. there you go. I'll just stay on the Paxil. On there you see. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. You know, if it definitely comes to me in this podcast, I will let you know what that such an important conversation thank you so much dr vedia oh absolutely absolutely i'm uh thank you again for inviting me and happy to sort of like lift up the taboo <laughs> on absolutely. this absolutely and uh, the more um i think we all talk about it 
the more, um, you know, this is going to help. I just wanted to like, just, uh, uh, briefly tell you. So there is a pill basically for, you know, like, um, the equivalent of Viagra for women, uh, that are certain companies. And I think that there is a pill and it's called Philbanserine or Addy. And it's, it's kind of originally was an antidepressant that was, you know, given for low sexual desire in premenopausal women. But this is something that they are coming up. So there is so much going on. But again, it's still in the early stages. So uh, there, there are medications, though, that one can utilize for... And that's uh, FDA approved or is that in the trials? It is FDA approved. It's, um, it's a daily, you know, yeah. It's called ADDYI ad. Yeah, that's what it is. I've never utilized it in uh, my patients. So I'm not sort of like going to say clinically how that works, but... It is FDA approved. So that's what I meant, you know, by the females. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we get, um, we just get a lot of questions. Like we have some, a Facebook group and we just get a lot of questions around that. So it's yeah. nice to, to tell have them, to, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, tell our listeners options. Thank you so much, Dr. Vadia, for being on the show today. Colleen and I always learn so much from our guests. And today we really learned a lot. It was a delight to talk to you, even though you experienced a hot flash during our talk. (laughs) Yeah, but we've all been there. And it's so nice to see the doctors are going through what we're going through as well. And they really know. I feel like when a doctor has experienced this, they really know what's going on with women in midlife. And she was just a joy to talk to today. Just amazing what we learned. I really learned a lot about when it's appropriate for antidepressants to be prescribed and when maybe there's some other avenues you can try. Right. Yeah, that's, that is so important, you know, because that's really, it's a strange thing to deal with. And it's so nice to have someone that really is knowledgeable about what they're talking about and really wants to treat the individual. So make sure that you're following us. Um, we have all kinds of social media platforms out there. We're on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group where the women are so helpful to each other. I was really um, so pleased the other day I was reading something on our Facebook group and someone just said thank you for adding me and another person said hey this is a great group there we don't have any like snarky comments and this is a nice group of people and I thought oh, thank you so much they like that us. Me, they that really they, like us. they really like us yes <laughs> and, and and I just really appreciate that that was so nice and and yes it is a safe nice group uh, we also have Instagram and we also have an LTK shop with some things that Women in our demographic, Colleen, have found that we particularly like, and we just want to share that with you. So you can go to shop.ltk and then look for hot flashes and cool topics, and you'll find us there. Well, have a great week, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.